Floating it down the sideline for Anderson with a one-handed grab. Here comes LaMelo Ball with his hair on fire. Hamilton and Slavin, who connected on the goal. Hamilton with it again. He wrists one. He scores! The series is over! Jacob Slavin sending the Hurricanes into the second round! Going deep, McCaffrey! And he makes an unbelievable catch, and he walks in! Gordon Hayward, one man to beat! Punches oh. it on top of Fox! Pump diddly deep! What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the second episode, technically the 29th, of the Queen City Collective. We're back. We had a very successful return last week with Delaney Getzenberg, Sam Hurley coming on. Um, I'm very excited to talk some Hornets basketball. There were some things me and Sam couldn't touch on, and my current guest today told me uh, just earlier, gave me the word I couldn't really pinpoint. He wasn't allowed to speculate last week. But you know who can speculate today, tonight? A reoccurring guest, Richie Randall, one-third of BuzzBeat Pod. How you doing, Richie? Like I said before, before we start recording, it's great to have you back. Well, I appreciate it. Thank, thanks for inviting me back on. I uh, haven't really talked to you in a while. You're doing some things with Clemson now. Clemson football, Clemson basketball, all things Clemson. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. I really like working with those guys. I think I really underestimated what it's like to be a, a real journalist until I started working with those guys over there and, and being in buildings with coaches and uh, and players and stuff. I haven't still to this day haven't gotten to do a whole lot of that stuff yet because of COVID. Most right. of my stuff has been through COVID. But um, football season is about to start. We got fall camp coming up with a lot of excitement. So man, it's going to be cool. You're, yourself too. You got wrapped up your first season on Hornets Media. What was that like? Like you asked some of the best questions to Borrego throughout the season, by the way. Well, I appreciate it. Everyone has their kind of own like little niche in terms of what types of questions they like to ask. And, you know, a lot of people in there like to ask like the game to game questions. I, I'm more like big picture X's and O's and just stuff like that, that I think he probably, you know, it's a change of pace for him. And he likes talking about that stuff. So I definitely enjoyed it. Um, you know, I'm not writing for anyone like you are, but just to be in there and to get some insight has been pretty cool. Uh, it was funny. We actually got my wife and I got a uh, free Disney Plus um, subscription, and we're, we're trying this free trial. And we watched this uh, movie called Safety. Um, mm-hmm. It's have you seen this? I, I did not know this story about this guy at Clemson, but it's a pretty cool story. Uh, I forgot his name, Ray Ray. Um, basically yeah so i don't know if if you've seen that or or if you enjoyed watching that but that was a pretty cool story that i've not heard of before it's actually funny that you bring that up one of my first stories that i did for clemson si was uh, i got to interview mr mcelrath nice yeah um that was a really cool story to do i felt like a lot of the stuff i saw on him um after that movie came out was kind of just diving deeper into what was real between what happened with him and the movie kind of thing so i i tried to dive a little deeper and learn more about him as a person and that was cool. But uh, speaking a little more about people, we're going to start with some NBA draft talk. Um, two guys in particular that I want to talk about because um, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I've heard you guys talk about the potential of bigs at, uh, on Buzzbeat at number 11. I think Isaiah Jackson is likely the best option if you're, if, if you're going to go there at 11. Um, the guys I think who are better than them are likely going to go before. But after the first four, you and, you and Spencer said it on Buzzbeat before, same with Brian, that after the top four, some for some people top five, it really just kind of falls off uh, in town. It's kind of a jumble throughout the lottery of where guys are going to go. Um, if you're not going to go with big, I, 
I think one of the most important things the Hornets have to look for is a very aggressive point attack defense um, on ball defender. Um, and so the two guys I want to start with are Keon Johnson and, and Scotty Barnes, both who I think fill that, that void that the Hornets need specifically in the pick and roll defense. Um, I think the center spot could definitely help there if they upgrade, you know, Rachon Holmes, so we can talk about a little bit later, um, could help there in the pick and roll defense. But with some of the size liabilities the Hornets have, if they end up keeping number 11, um, which to my knowledge, all options are on the table. We don't know anything yet. The dominoes are still really yet to have fallen. Um, but I think Keon Johnson and Scotty Barnes are two of my favorite guys at, in all the Hornets options. What do you think about their on-ball ability? And just like so many other guys throughout this late lottery, is their shooting going to translate? Because if it does, that's likely what makes or breaks them. Yeah, there's a lot of people like that in this draft where you're just like, will the shooting translate? And to your point with this draft, it's I feel like it's a – probably like at pick seven or eight is when things are going to kind of be like up in the air with these teams. And Golden State, I believe, picks at seven. To me, the top six are – uh, Cade, obviously, Mobley, both of the Jalens, uh, Kaminga, mm-hmm. and then I actually think Scotty Barnes, the one that you mentioned, I, he would be in. He would be six for me in terms of being um, solidly in there. And I think he's a guy. If he were to be falling to number eleven, I think the Hornets would not waste any time in drafting this guy. Uh, in terms of his on-ball defense, like you're mentioning, that is something that the Hornets desperately need. It's it's been, you know, an issue for several years now trying to stop penetration of, of opponents. And I think that guy is a menace on ball. Um, just you just look at him. He just looks like an NBA player. His physical profile, his wingspan, I believe, is like seven feet, which is ridiculous. May, maybe even longer. Um, that obviously helps with contest and getting his hands in passing lanes. And yeah, his three-point shot to me is is very iffy, but I think what he does bring on the offensive side of the court is much greater, at least now, than Keon Johnson. Uh, you've got Scotty Barnes who can play out of the pick and roll. He can pass the ball very well. He's just very active on that end. So if teams do sag under pick and rolls uh, with Scotty Barnes, he at least has that playmaking ability. I'm actually not as high on Keon Johnson as maybe you seem to be. I do love his like explosive athleticism. He had that like forty eight inch. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. about to bring that up. Yeah, vertical at the draft combine. So like you know you've got that to work with. He's a guy that I think you know has more more of a ways to go uh, on the offensive side of the court. Um, he is nineteen years old, so like there there's something there that you can kind of tap into. But his three point shot, like Barnes, uh, not great. Not great at all, but um, yeah, and he would also solve the on-ball defense. My guy, I mean, we can we can bounce around here, but my guy, we, we'll, we'll talk about him later, Moses Moody. Like, that's the guy that I, I would want to key in for Charlotte. But again, he might be a guy like Scotty Barnes that just might not make it to number 11. It's funny that you bring up Moses Moody because the next two guys that we're going to bring up were, uh, were going to be him and Corey Kispert, two guys that, again, I, I've seen Moses Moody. I know in Kevin O'Connor's uh, most recent big board, I think he updated it just a couple days ago, Moses Moody was all the way down to 16. Um, I think Kispert may be a little bit higher, if I'm not mistaken. But both of those guys, uh, Moody to me, I think he can be the better shooter long-term. I liked his volume Um, with Arkansas. I like his athleticism for sure more than Corey Kispert, but Corey Kispert to me, 
can come in and impact immediately. I think his shooting isn't going to drop too far off of where it was um, in, in college. And, and I think the D, if his athleticism holds up in the NBA, which is still a question. Um, mm. I know a lot of people are higher on his athleticism than others. But again, 3 and D wings, that, that's where I'm kind of pigeonholed into in this draft because I think best player available, one of the things I haven't even touched on yet, that's been Kupchak's strategy since he's been in Charlotte, and he's made out well because of it, not in spite of it, in my opinion. And I think that's got to be um, the option here again. I don't, I really don't see them swinging on another big three in, in two years. Doesn't make much sense to me. Sense to me. Um, Kupchak even said that it takes two years, I believe it is what yeah. he said, to develop all their bigs. Um, so it, that doesn't really fit their timeline in my mind. I can't imagine they think Vernon Carey or Nick Rick Richards is going to be ready next year, right? So if you draft a third big, are you going to bring in a fourth in free agency to be your starting guy? I feel like that in itself kind of limits their options. So three and D wing, there's so many options, but that's that's kind of where I'm pigeonholed into at number 11 if we yeah. in fact stay there. Yeah. So what do you like about Keon Johnson? Because to me, he's he doesn't have the three right now. Right. See, honestly, I think it's a little bit of bias towards Miles Bridges just because he reminds me a lot of what I thought of Miles Bridges coming out of his draft class that the shooting maybe wasn't there, but that just uber athletic, that 48 inch vertical jump just it has to get catch your eyes. It did. It was super popular on Twitter after it happened. Um, and, and betting on athleticism yeah. in, in this day's NBA, I think is just really important. It's I don't want to say always surefire. It's it's never good to say that. There's been plenty of athletic guys that just haven't panned out. But that in and of itself, I think, just increases the chance of him being um, an impactful rotational player. Yeah, he's. Uh, it's one of those things you can't teach. You can't teach a 48-inch vertical. So you, that's what you're kind of banking on, okay? The athleticism plus whatever he can learn in his first couple of years under an NBA coaching staff, you could hope he can turn things around, you know, shooting the ball or doing some things more offensively. But yeah, the reason I keep going back to Moses Moody, he just seems like the safe bet. I know it sometimes seems like a boring pick because he, you know what you're getting with this guy. I'm actually surprised that he's 16th on Kevin O'Connor's board. Um, that that seems low to me. That seems low. I, I think that if he was there at 11, I would snag him in a heartbeat. He's the three and D type that I know that he has the three, and I know that he has the defensive side, too. He's not like a high-usage guy either, so with the Hornets roster where LaMelo touches the ball a lot, Hayward touches the ball a lot, you can just stick him in the corner, and he can be a catch-and-shoot guy. He's got good form on his three-point shot. Might be a a little bit slow, but he's got great balance. There's there's nothing really major concerning issues with his shot. The only thing offensively that that's got to grow right now is is kind of like a self creation type of thing with Moody. Um, a little bit st- still kind of unsure of himself on that end, but uh, you know I, I do like his ability on both ends, and I think right away he would be the safest bet out of some of these like three and D types. Mm-hmm. I, I I do. I do like Moses Moody a lot. And one of the things that draws my eye to him more than someone like, say, Davion Mitchell, who isn't necessarily the three and D guy we're talking about. Great on-ball defender, just measured in six foot flat without shoes on. Um, But the free throw percentage, I think, is one of the biggest things you have to look at when looking at any of these guys' shooting potential. I mean, Davion Mitchell had one season. Everybody is like, was it an outlier or not, where I think he shot 45% in his junior year. But the free throw, free throw percentage, excuse me, was still bad. I think it was hovering around 60. And then you look at Moody, 
Mm -hmm. 87.9 from three. I mean, you're right. I think Moody could be a solid bet. Are there any super sleeper picks that maybe you're just higher on than everybody else you've seen on Twitter or anything like that when you've talked? The only other guy, maybe one or two, I don't know if it's a sleeper pick because there there are people that do like uh, some of the names I'm getting ready to drop is Jane Springer and Bones Highland. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jane Springer, obviously, is a local guy from Charlotte, played some high school ball here. He's a guy that will bring the defensive energy right away. I I think he's probably one of the better on-ball defenders, and he's... He's got that going for him. Um, he's 18 years old, so I think he's one of the younger, if not the youngest players uh, in this draft right now. Um, and then Bones Highland, like he, he, I don't think he's he's should be uh, in consideration for the number 11th pick by any means. Uh, but uh, he's he's a guy that just can get shots off from NBA range, pulls up off the dribble, sidesteps, hesitations. He's got great on ball stuff. Self creation is really really high with this guy. Uh, his nickname Bones, I think, comes from the lack of like beef on him. Like you can see his bones, so like his frame definitely needs to, you know, beef up. He doesn't have that strength, so he's a guy that can be like hit or miss. He, he seems like a guy that would come off the bench and just light it up from deep, almost like a you know Jamal Crawford and just like with his handles and pull up and all that type of mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, he's got all the dribble moves, but I think sometimes that gets him in trouble. Uh, a lot of times and you talk about his free throw percentage uh bones highland shot 86 percent from the free throw line and 37 percent from three-point range so uh but he, he doesn't definitely does not solve charlotte's uh defensive problems yeah speaking of not solving defensive problems here's another guy that i like but i think just doesn't fit um it, it's I think it's the fact that he's 18, 6'10", maybe not the tallest. I'm not sure what his official wingspan um, is, but I don't want to butcher his first name from Besticus. I know how to say that because the soccer, <laughs> Mr. Sangoon, um, I, I really love the footwork on this guy. I mean, it. every time I see a modern big with good footwork, it, it just brings me back to watching Al Jefferson back in the day. Um, watching him work in the post was just such a pleasure pleasure to do, even though that inside-out type of basketball was so so outdated when Steve Clifford was doing it. That was really when that three-point revolution was coming in. It mm-hmm. was just a little too late, I think. But the footwork is phenomenal. Three-point shooting, there isn't too much of a sample size. So I, I the, the, the shot form, I think, is kind of funky. It's slow. I think it could get a little bit better. Uh, but, again, not a lot of sample size. I think only 21 attempts last season um, on 19.2 points per game. So how are you feeling about the potential of drafting a big like that who I think could be really incredible in the pick-and-roll game with Ball and Rozier? He sets really good screens and, and rolls to the basket hard. But another guy, like you just said about Bones Highland, needs to fill out his NBA body a little bit. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I'm, I'm hesitant on drafting a center at 11. I, I think I'm kind of keyed into like a wing mm-hmm. just because I think you want to attempt to get a center in free agency. But if there was a center that would be a value at number 11, I think it would be Shangun at a turkey. Uh, back to the basket. Uh, he's got great footwork, like you said. That's like his best skill down there. He has like those post moves. He's got a great mm-hmm. spin move. He can get defenders off balance and, and get up pretty easy shots near the rim because of that footwork. And then the way that he fits in with this Hornets offense in terms of his facilitation, like you can place him anywhere on the court, low post, high post, you know, top of the key. He's going to be making some passes and he's going to be passing people open. I think that would fit right in with LaMelo and James Borrego in terms of just those quick decision-making 
Um, I guess the reason I'm hesitant, not just because it's a, a center and I want to go after some in the free agent market, the strength is not there, like you mentioned, and I think that's going to be a big issue if he's trying to guard someone down low. Like, he doesn't have that. Which, what's weird to me is like he does a good job of getting position down low on offense, but it doesn't necessarily translate on the defensive side of the court. So he's not going to provide that that rim protection that Charlotte needs. And to your mm-hmm. point, um, even though he shot 80% from the free throw line, really not any kind of volume from deep. So that that's still iffy for me. So if there was a big that I would be considering at number 11, it would be him. Uh, but I'm kind of locked in at that, you know, three and D wing type of player. The last thing I'll say about Sangoon, and one of the reasons I just don't see the Hornets drafting him, honestly, even if he is available at 11, is the things you just said about not being able to protect the rim. I mean, James Virgo was notably, noticeably, excuse me, irate about the inability to protect the rim and rebound the ball at times. Um, I think it was 120-111 loss to the Celtics where he said, you know, we've got to rebound the ball better. We've been struggling at this position with this now for three years. Don't believe that's word for word, but it was somewhere in that uh, general vicinity. vicinity. And I can't see them swinging, um, despite the fact that it's not entirely his choice. I can't see him supporting picking a big, again, third big in two years that is another guy who can't protect the rim. Yeah, it it still baffles me that they drafted, or I guess acquired, I should say, because they didn't. I guess they technically didn't draft both of the bigs last year. But yeah, that was just so such an odd odd decision i'm just not really sure what they were going for there um unless they just said hey let's take you know two chances at a big and see let's let's see if one of them pans out type of thing but yeah i i cannot see them going big but i guess it wouldn't surprise me if saying shangun was in consideration but i i, I wouldn't do it yeah the the last draft prospect I want to talk about here just because I think it segues well into what I want to talk about next is uh, Davion Mitchell um, again we talked about him just a second earlier measured six foot flat in shoes phenomenal on ball defender his first step is elite and I think will be elite the moment he steps on an NBA floor three point shooting is questionable but I, I bring Davion Mitchell up to say if they were to bring in Davion Mitchell at number 11 whether they traded up for him whatever the case is I think that automatically impacts their decision to either keep Devontae Graham, Malik Monk, whatever the case is. How do you feel about that situation? Yeah, I would agree just because of his because he's undersized. I think if he was a guard that was more like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and you can play him across multiple positions. Combo type guard. Right, yeah. but because he's kind of, well, he is undersized. He's not kind of undersized. He is undersized. He's kind of pigeonholed into what he can be offensively and defensively. And to me with Davion, age is, age is never, I shouldn't say never, age is rarely an, an issue for me when I kind of evaluate guys. Um, because who's to say an 18-year-old who's four years younger than Davion is going to develop within four years that, you know, the, the types of things that Davion has developed, you know, in his college career. So, Again, I don't think age is just this thing. Okay, this guy's 18, this guy's 22. Let's go with the I mean, 18. Malik Monk himself is a perfect example of that. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, I would agree with you. I would agree with you in the sense that if, if Davion was the pick at 11, uh, I, I think that would affect the free agent plans. And that's that's a question that I would want to ask Mitch is like, you know, when you go into the draft, do you have free agency in mind? Like, is there going to be any kind of indication of who you draft at number 11? Will that affect how you approach free agency? Um, I, I do like Davion a lot. I think at one point I, I stated, like, he was the pick that I wanted for Charlotte. I'm kind of, like, cooled off of that. And to mm-hmm. be honest with you, it wouldn't it wouldn't be surprising to me if he actually wasn't there at 11. I, I think there's some teams ahead of Charlotte who could use – 
a player like him, a, a dynamic guy that's off the ball, can get to the rim and score. He's not an above the rim finisher, obviously, but he can he score at the rim. He can score behind the arc, and then obviously his biggest asset is his on ball defense and just. He just bodies up people. He he beats them to the spot. He doesn't allow them to get around him. Like Hornets clearly need that. And I I think to be honest, even though he is six feet and he's pretty much like a point guard body, I, I think he could pair well with Lamelo. I, I don't think that would be a big issue because Lamelo is six seven. He's got the lanky arms, and, and they're they're interchangeable. Like if 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 you needed someone that's a little bit lankier to guard, you know, player X, then yeah, put Lamelo on him. But uh, Davion can guard a variety of players, too. But I've kind of cooled off on the idea with him in Charlotte. But, um, yeah, he would obviously affect the plans in free agency. Yeah, I think Davion, one of the things that, again, gets me excited about him is because I look at a guy similar to his height, probably just an inch, if that, taller and Terry Rozier, who we've seen his uh, inefficiencies, I guess is the best word, on the defensive side of the floor. And to see a guy like Davion Mitchell, who is almost just as tall, who I think has just as good of a scoring potential as Terry Rozier, I'm not sure that the three-point shot, again, we we just don't know, ever develops into what Rozier has become, especially on the catch and shoot. Um, But the ability to get to the rim, I think, might end up better than what Terry can do now. And at that size, if you can be an off-ball pest and an on-ball pest, uh, you're right, that makes you so much more interchangeable, and I think he fits right there beside LaMelo. Speaking of fits beside LaMelo and Mr. Terry Rozier, think that's a good segue into restricted free agency to talk a little bit more about the guys we just mentioned and Malik Monk, Devontae Graham, just a little context for people that are listening. Um, both are going to be restricted free agents. If the Hornets offer them qualifying offers, uh, Devontae Graham's is a little bit North of 4 million. Malik Monk's would be a little North of 7 million with a cap hold of almost or over, excuse me, 16 million. So, couple things to consider there the Malik Monk cap hold I think is something that a lot of Hornets fans have have been kind of back and forth about um because if you extend that qualifying offer to him now you have to wait to test the waters see what everybody else is going to look for in Monk if they want to if you're going to have to wait and get into a bidding war um on an offer sheet after wasting these these days in free agency with no cap space because you did extend him the qualifying offer it just makes things that much more confusing for Mitch Cup check in, in the rest of the front office what are your opinions on what they should do with that situation with Devonte graham as well yeah that, that's a dilemma that uh, i always have between these two i think i like in terms of the just if you take out the money aspect i slightly favor malik monk and his versatility on both ends of the court he's not like an above he's not he's not like this great defender but obviously with his his size he can guard a little bit more than Devonte and offensively I like his game as well because he can do some of the same things that Devontae can I think this last year where he shot the ball fairly well from behind the arc you 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 would hope that would continue with Blake Monk because his first several seasons in the NBA he was not a three-point shooter so um, in terms of the on-court value I think I favor Monk slightly the problem with Monk is the fact that this coaching staff this organization He's really struggled to develop any kind of consistency within this team, like in terms of playtime. And partly maybe the coach's fault, partly maybe his fault. Um, the trust just may not be there. So it, it would, you know, it would suck to bring him back. 
and him not be in a con- more consistent role. Let me put it that way. Um, it would not suck to bring him back in the sense that, you know, he, he would be worse off than Devontae, but in just terms of like, I just don't know how the, the coaching staff trust him. So when it comes to the logistics and the financials, yeah, I think Devontae Graham is the better way to go. He can run a second unit. And this past season, you've you've saw a little bit more of his off ball revelation, staggering him with Lamelo. You can play you can play those two together, and yeah, I mean he he's a team guy. I think there's not much of a drop off. I mean, I think some people would argue that Devontae's a better player than Monk. Um, I, I yeah, wouldn't. I think. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I mean I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Richie. I'm just I, I agree with really almost everything you said. It's it's, it's that money, like we just said. That yeah. Just impacts your decision making and I, i'm sure it's been a headache for the front office because monk like you said you don't have as many size worries especially you know again pick and roll has just become so much so prominent um with the amount of high level guard play that's in the nba right now you know being able to be competent and pick and roll defense is really important um and while Devonte, i think has some of the higher basketball like you on the entire team you see that on defense as well some of the plays in the assist ability as you saw but in his first season, a little bit more. Um, and, you know, now with so many primary ball handlers, it hasn't been as notorious. But regardless, yeah. um, like you said, that ability to run the second unit, I think, is going to be critical. Um, but then you got to look, start looking at your guard depth behind LaMelo Ball. You know, if you don't bring back L- Malik Monk, at this point, I just want to add this. I'm not too sure that they bring back both of them. I think there's probably a better chance that they bring back neither of them than bring back both of them. If that, if that makes sense. I would agree. Yeah. I think one will be back, but if you had to say both will be back versus none, I think the answer is none. But the the one thing about the qualifying offer uh, with the qualifying offer of Monk with that $7 million qualifying offer, Mm -hmm. if he never accepts it and the Hornets are trying to be active in free agency, they can rescind that qualifying offer and they can renounce his rights. So, Luckily, that's that's an option that they can take if he's kind of like wavering and holding up some of that cap space. So um, it's it's that, that that's an option that they can take if they wanted to go that route. Yeah, Devontae Graham, it's it's really hard for me. the The qualifying offer and the cap hold that they have for him are both the exact same, mm-hmm. I believe. So it's a no brainer to me to extend it to him. And honestly. At this point, I'd be surprised if they don't extend it to Monk because that's a point that you brought up that not a lot of people have said so far, the ability to renounce his rights almost immediately every day of free agency um, will be important. But Monk, I I see another team looking at him and going, okay, maybe break just couldn't get what we think we can get out of him. I'm not so sure that other teams are saying that exact same thing about Devontae Graham because I'm not sure his ceiling can go much further just because of the size restrictions. Um, I think the – I don't know that the volume is going to go up too much more either with, with Lamelo and ball and uh, Rozier, excuse me on this roster next year. I, I just don't really know what to make it either of them. Um, I just, like you said, one of them's got to come back, I think. Um, and you've got to sure up another guard depth spot in free agency or the draft that that's for sure. It's funny. Monk Monk, seems like one of those players that would go to another team and just flourish. And we'd be like kicking ourselves as to like, why, mm-hmm. why couldn't he do that here? But yeah, to your point, I don't think teams are looking at Devante and seeing, Oh man, there's some unexplored territory that he's not reached mm-hmm. yet because of the way that he's been used. I think what you're getting at a Devante is consistency and you know, what that's he's, yep. yeah, yeah. What you, what you've seen is what you're getting. And, and that's something that you can kind of count on. 
Yeah. So let's go to some of the center options because I think we won't obviously know what they're going to do there until we kind of find out what their decisions are going to be with Monk, with Graham. Um, Rituan Holmes, I wrote about him the other day. You wrote about him the other day um, on the Busby Buy Me a Coffee site, which, by the way, Go buy Busby the coffee. I did it the other day. <laughs> Thanks. No time. Um, they got great draft content, great overall content. So make sure you go check that out. But regardless, Bertrand Holmes has been for a couple months now, I feel like the pretty consensus favorite in free agency amongst Hornets guys. Um, great pick and roll defender. I think even better running the pick and roll on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, the push floater that he has is is really impressive the touch he's built there as a big with the push floater. I saw something on uh, cleaning the glass the other day. I put it in my article that he was in the 99th percentile in the short mid area. There was only two players that took more shots in, uh, from him in that area last season, which is four, between 14 and four feet. Um, so behind the restricted area and, and back to the free throw line, I believe. So Richwan Holmes could solve a lot of the issues on defense. I think that you saw uh, Cody Zeller struggle with drop coverage, being able to allow other guys to hedge harder because you're not worried about uh, your, your big drop coverage center. Um, what do you think about Holmes? Do you think there are any other options that really stand out as sleepers? Um, maybe someone like a Jordan Bell, who is really low down the totem pole, haven't heard somebody talk about. Uh, what are your just overall thoughts on center free agency? Because it's got to be addressed. Yeah, the the only other center that I would like view higher than Holmes in terms of like talent plus fit with this team would be Jarrett Allen. And the problem with Allen though, he's a restricted free agent and yeah. the Cavs offered or not offered, they traded a first round pick for him. So I think they're going to do everything in their power to keep Jared Allen. Even if Mobley drops to three, I think they're going to want to keep both of those players. Allen offers a lot of what Holmes does as well. And Allen is, mm-hmm. uh, I believe like three or four years younger. So maybe he could fit the timeline of, of kind of growing with LaMelo a little bit better, but I don't think that's a realistic option just because of the things that I just stated. So to me, I also just don't yeah. think the Cavs did what they did to get Allen right. just to let him walk and right. restrict a free agency. I'm right. there with you. Yeah. Even, even if Mobley's there at three and they take him, I just, I don't know if that really changes their plans the way that they view Allen. Yeah. Holmes is my guy. I think, I think it's kind of like a, I don't know if it's a consensus among Hornets fans, but it just seems like the interest around him is growing. He solves a lot of issues on both ends of the court. You mentioned his pick and roll ability on both ends of the court. Good finisher out of those plays. Good lob threat. Um, just an elite guy when he comes to those pick and roll plays. Um, he's a cutter too. Like he, he. I mentioned this on WFNZ the other day. Like he, he finds gaps. Like if he's not involved as a pick and roll big man, uh, he's going to make plays out of the dunker spot. Doesn't get stagnant. Moves around. And when you have players like Lamelo Ball. You know, he's going to find you. He's going to find you in those open spots. Um, offensive rebounding, kind of like Zeller, he attacks the offensive glass. He'll get points on putbacks there. And offensively, uh, in terms of the passing, I think that's an underrated aspect of his game. You mentioned his his versatility in the pick-and-roll defense. I, I won't mention that again, but that's something that you're going to see. And he's, he's, a, he's a, uh, a rim protector. He deters shots at the rim. He had a block percentage of 4.4. That's something that the Hornets desperately need. So if they do strike out on Holmes, he's an unrestricted free agent. And I'll say this, the Kings are strapped for cash, meaning they aren't very flexible with what they can do. So I think this is almost like a perfect opportunity to kind of test the Kings and, and see how mm-hmm. much they can get off. Because I think um, De'Aaron Fox's extension comes in next year. So that that salary is going to be boosted up for them. And 
They're going to try to get off of probably uh, Barnes and or Buddy Heald. Or they're going to have to, I would feel like, to get Holmes back on a reasonable deal. But if the Hornets were to strike out on Holmes, another guy that I think would offer similar things, way more limited offensively, but is Nerlens Noel. I don't know how you feel about him, but he's a guy that probably is just strictly a lob threat. You wouldn't want to put the ball in his hands as much as Holmes, obviously. But he's a little bit better of a, uh, a rim protector than Holmes. But I think Holmes is just a well-rounded guy. He just He just is. Yeah, and one of the things that, you know, that price tag, correct me if I'm wrong here, Richie, I believe it was a reported $80 million price tag on Holmes. Is that correct? That's Yeah, that's what he was wanting. Um, and I don't even gotcha. think that the Hornets would necessarily have to offer him that much, $20 million a year for four years. Like, I, I just, I don't think that's necessary. I mean, if you did offer that to him, I think he would obviously mm-hmm. snap it up in a heartbeat. But I think the Hornets can kind of use the disadvantage, uh, the, the, the Kings' disadvantage in the salary cap to kind of, throw out a strategic offer of maybe like $14 million a year. You know what I mean? Like something, something like that. And one of the things that makes that contract, you know, it's expensive on the front end because he's 27 years old. You know, he, I don't know how well they, they think that 27 year old fits their timeline. To me, it's not that bad. You're probably getting four, if you sign in that long three, four years, at least a pretty solid production, not sure if he's going to get too much better, but one of the things that makes me think Holmes can continue to get better is playing in Sacramento playing beside Bagley. You know, that, that painted area was relatively clogged um, a lot. They ran a lot of pick and rolls with Halliburton Fox healed and things like that, but neither one of those guys could really uh, pop out, fade out and and be a shot threat. Um, If he's playing in Charlotte as a rim protector and they pair him um, maybe beside Gordon Hayward, Miles, Bridges, PJ Washington at the four, all three of those guys are going to be shot threats that can leak out to the corner that he can find them um, in the pick and roll game because defenders, like I said, this push floater, one of the reasons I like it so much just because in the pick and roll, the shot versatility that that offers him, mm-hmm. I think is really critical because guys aren't going to be able to sag off in the painted area, uh, which then will create extra passes. I just, it, it is really tantalizing the yeah. prospect of, of him in this offense in particular and solving that rim protection issue all in one stroke. Um, one guy I do want to bring up that I think would be a super cheap and definitely a patch fix while they try and find a long-term fix is Robin Lopez. How do you feel about adding a veteran like that? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like he, he's a guy that frustrated me um, whenever I watched him with his like hook shot. Um, I guess you could go that route if you were just going to sign him to like a one to two year deal, um, like you were mentioning. I don't think that's a bad route to go, but doesn't it feel like there's some kind of pressure here in Charlotte for the Hornets to make another jump? And they were a team that wasn't expected to do a lot this past season. And for them to make it to this play-in game, I think there's some pressure Mm -hmm. that maybe Mitch is feeling to get this team to like a top five, six team in the East you know, whether that's attainable or not, or whether that's the right route to go in terms of putting all your eggs in that type of basket, it may not be the right way to go. But at this point, some of these players are developing faster than maybe people have expected. And I think PJ Washington's going to make a jump next season. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think the veteran route might not be a bad idea, but I just don't know if the fans are going to like that route. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a touchy situation here in Charlotte. 
you're you bring up a great point. Um, one of the things I've told multiple people throughout this offseason, you know, the playoffs are still going on. Of course, we can talk about the finals a little bit before we get out of here. But I think the pressure that the Hornets off the Hornets front office, excuse me, has on them this offseason is likely the most pressure they've had. I, I mean, ever do I dare say that uh, you, you've covered the team and been around them longer than I. So maybe you could speak to that a little bit more so than me, but I'm there with you. And um, even if they only bring back one of Devontae Graham, Malik Monk, bring in Ratuan Holmes, assume Gordon Hayward is healthy all next year. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty deep team. You have another year of Jalen McDaniels, who I think is going to be, by the time next year, a phenomenal rotational player off the bench with his size. And the shot, it's promising still, especially from the corner. Um, Cody Martin, I think, could be their dog on defense. I mean, offensively, he's just a pain to watch sometimes. But he makes up for it like a lot of other guys do, just with this hustle and his ability to get on the floor and never give up on a play, um, which every single team needs. Caleb Martin, I'm still a little iffy about, but Cody can stay as as far as I'm concerned. Um, But you're totally right. The pressure that the fans themselves are giving on this on this front office right now is massive and I think it's a very slippery slope because they could just as easily screw this up so badly yeah yeah and to back to your point about the veteran presence at the center I almost wonder if they could you know go after Holmes sign him and then still have a little bit of extra money to sign another big that that is has that like veteran presence but again the Hornets center rotation is so strange to me because of that Vernon Carey, Nick Richards uh, drafting yeah. last year. And then obviously Cody Zeller and, and Biombo are both uh, free agents. So I, may, maybe they can try to bring back either Zeller or Biombo on a pretty cheap deal. And that would be consistency and continuity within the locker room. Right. That prob- I was actually just about yeah. to ask you that about Zeller. If that, I, I feel like that's a strong possibility, but I, I could also see just as easily him wanting a fresh start, move on before his career gets to the point where he's got to think about ending it. Yeah, I think he I think he's enjoyed playing in Charlotte obviously and um I just wonder how much priority Mitch and uh the front office is going to put with him in in terms of money. You know, I, I don't know if he's mm-hmm. I don't know if he's a guy that like is seeking money, but if he can go play somewhere that's, you know, in a good situation, may, maybe, you know, uh you know, get a little bit more money and a team that might be contending just as well as the Hornets, if not better. I, I think he's going to take that path, but yeah, that, that doesn't seem out of the question by any means. And I think that's a route that the Hornets probably should look into as well. Uh, regardless if they, if they uh, sign Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, I think Zeller, I think he obviously is the much more reliable of the two between him and Biombo, but you know while Zeller himself is more reliable I mean the relationship Biombo has with LaMelo Ball alone I mean has to be it, it can't be of paramount like this relationship has to make us think about keeping this guy on this team but um, I think last ditch effort either one of those guys would be willing to come back on a minimum deal if they just they swung on homes and missed somebody else swooped in and, and brought him in um, I'm not too sure. No, no, you brought him up, and I want to circle back to him because I didn't really get to give you my thoughts. He scares me a little bit because huh. of the offensive limitations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's really what gets me. I mean, the rim protector thing I think is going to be great. Um, but, man, bigs that just are really a problem, and guys can, when they catch the ball in the three-point line or just inside of it, can completely sag and worry about where everybody else is. That scares me because it limits what Borrego can do offensively as soon as he steps on the floor. Yeah, he would strictly be like a lob threat, right? Like you don't want to put the ball in his hands at all. Uh, yeah, he, he has a lot of limitations offensively, and you just you just wonder like would he just be 
Biombo with better hands and a lob thread. I mean, I, I think that's that's kind of like simplifying it, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I do want to get your thoughts on the finals before we get out of here because we've been recording for much longer than I anticipated, which is fun. It's always good to have more Hornets talk than you planned on. Um, but the finals, I, I mentioned this to Sam just the other day too. I mean, a small market fan's dream. A- am I right? I mean, game one is going to be on here in, in less than an hour at nine o'clock. I'm not actually going to be able to watch all of it. I'm going back to the movie theaters for the first time in like two years tonight. Richie. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm going to see black widow tonight. So I don't know that I ever thought I'd be skipping a finals game for uh, a Marvel movie, but here we are probably have it pulled up on my phone with the darkness. Down low <laughs> in the theater. Um, but the Suns, I absolutely adore watching those guys play. I think Mikael Bridges is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. Um, I said the same thing about Clay Thompson when he was healthy. It feels like five years ago now that he is one of the few guys I believe now that you could pluck off of any team, put them on any other team in the NBA. And he is an automatic factor contributor and he fits perfectly. Um, I, I, Chris Paul has been one of my favorite guys to watch forever. I've loved books since 72. I feel like after not, not 72, was it, did, was it 72 that he had that night? It was up there. It was up there. Yeah. Um, I, I feel know. like after that game, people talked about it for a while and then just kind of forgot about him. And then on the same note, Giannis coming back in game one, after six, five or six days after a hyperextended knee looking like nothing happened. Right. I mean, what are your thoughts so far after one game? Yeah, I uh, I said this on WFNZ. I, I'm sticking with the Suns in five. Like, that's how bold I'm going, wow. five. I, I think uh, they're just a team of destiny. And you mentioned some of these underrated players on this team. They've, they've got a full list of players that just contribute oh, yeah. on a nightly basis, like Cam Johnson, Campaign, Michael Bridges, you're talking about. Uh, Torrey Craig is, is seeing more minutes, and he might have to now that Sarich is down. Uh, probably, mm-hmm. I think, I guess he's out for the for the series. That means Frank Kaminsky gets more, too. Yeah. That's another topic. They, he played like four minutes in that first game, and I think the Suns realized. Rebound. Yeah. <laughs> I. I, I I can't see him playing again, but maybe he will just because of the bodies. But to me, the X factor is DeAndre Ayton. Like if he can continue to get 20 points and 15 rebounds a night and be that guy that can be a factor on both ends of the court, uh, I think the Suns team will win in five. And you've, you've talked about Booker and Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Those guys are mid-range beasts. They can run the offense. They can They can pull up. I think the issue with Milwaukee is that they don't have the role players that consistently produce on a game-to-game basis. It just feels like one or two of them go at a time, and then one or two of them take a back seat. Drew Holiday has been a disappointment uh, in this playoffs. Uh, I wish he would have. They are missing Dante DiVincenzo more than I ever thought they would. Yeah. Um, So that might be a bold prediction, Suns and Five, but I just think there's some issues with Milwaukee and how they're defending Mm -hmm. the pick and roll, and it just seems like Phoenix has all the answers. Right. I, my original pick uh, before game one started was Suns at six. Um, I was really teetering on the, the five because at that point when I made that prediction, Giannis hadn't really been confirmed. Yeah. Yet. And even after he got confirmed, I don't think anybody expected him to play to the level that he did. And I, and I want to tie this back into Charlotte just a little bit with DeAndre Ayton, who you just mentioned. Um, I touched on a little bit how Cup Check said it takes a couple years at least for any drafted big to really reach his potential. Do do fans legitimately think drafting a big at eleven? I mean, it it takes time. DeAndre Ayton, a number one overall pick, it took multiple years, and one of the most underrated free agent acquisitions in the past 
decade possibly and Chris Paul with how many people hated on that to really unlock the potential that brought him to Phoenix in the first place. And I think that's something to kind of keep in the back of your mind when thinking about drafting bigs in the NBA. But overall, I think it's really positive for teams like Charlotte in the future. Um, you know, just to have hope, like it's possible for us small market teams <laughs> yeah. with, with these small market fan bases to get to this level. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I think these two teams, uh, even Milwaukee, like, you know, that they're, they're not a L.A. or a New York or a Chicago. And uh, seeing both of these teams in the finals is something that should give a little bit of hope to Charlotte. Uh, and to your point, DeAndre Ayton, he's not the 11th overall pick. He's, he's the top pick. And it took him a while to kind of right. find his own. And even within the playoffs, you've seen him develop in every single series. Right. There's been a couple of guys like that that have developed inside of the playoffs in a right. way that I just haven't seen in a long time. Trey Young is another one that, you know, I, I'm not I'm not a big Atlanta fan and for any other sports, obviously that's Charlotte bias for most people. But Trey Young turned me into a guy that, you know, I just could not hate on him any longer. I mean Agreed. I, I forget where the quote came from, but someone said that the league has changed so much nowadays that if you have a guy that is can be a superstar level talent on offense and can just learn how to be a good team defender, that is more valuable in and of itself now in the NBA than having an elite-level defender that is a liability on the offensive end of the floor. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, Trey Young, you know, he's always had those issues on that end of the court. And me, like you, I was never, like, the biggest fan of Trey Young. I just... I think I might even come out set on Twitter one time. I don't know if I trust him in the playoffs, but he definitely turned some heads uh, this past playoffs and uh, got his team to the conference finals, which surprised a lot of people. I actually didn't even think that they would get at the first round. I had the Knicks winning the first round. But, um, yeah, he's he's dynamic on the offensive side of the court. Yeah, well, Richie, I just want to say, like I said, we went longer than I expected, but I'm really grateful for having you on. Um, first reoccurring guest for anybody listening. So uh, if you're listening this far into the episode, I really appreciate it. Make sure you like, rate, subscribe, wherever you're listening. And uh, Richie, again, thank you, my friend. I hope to talk to you again soon. I appreciate it. Hopefully I get like a little prize for being your first two-time guest. <laughs> well, I'm the one that actually got a prize. I'm not sure if you knew Spencer sent me... Uh, a couple of the Busby um, stickers. Oh, nice! I, I almost tweeted. I almost tweeted you guys a picture of it just because I thought it was funny. Um, I had just got my PS Five shortly after, or shortly before. Excuse me, Spencer sent spent those sent those. Good lord, I'm struggling uh, today. So I ended up putting one of them on my PlayStation Five and have likely the only Buzzbeat edition PlayStation Five in existence. <laughs> that's so true. That's pretty cool. That's true. Yeah, PS Fives are hard to get. You know, your hands on these days. Just just put a sticker on it, make it more rare. <laughs> Right. All right. I appreciate it again, Reggie. Welcome back in, everybody. I just want to say, if you listened to that first interview of this week's episode with Richie Randall, I just want to say thank you for listening all the way. I just want to let you know, no Panthers talk this week, guys. Got a bunch of stuff going on in Charlotte sports. Got a new coach with Charlotte FC, finally, that I'm really excited to talk about. I got a bunch of guests lined up. I'm traveling right now. Wasn't able to make anything Panthers-related happen before this week's episode, but that's all right. Had some great off-season, some great draft talk with Richie Randall. Always great talking with any of the BuzzBeat guys. Guys, Brian, if you're listening, I need to have you on soon because you're the only one that hasn't been on yet. So other than that, guys, I think that's going to do it. Just want to let you guys have a little update. Things are things are moving along quickly. Website's looking good. I appreciate all the feedback that's been given. I appreciate everybody that's visited and checked it out so far. We're just getting started. That's all I want to say. I, I do have multiple guests lined up that I'm very excited to talk to and have on this podcast. 
just just stay tuned guys and if again if you listen this far thank you and we'll see you guys next monday